The Talk of the Street is brought to you by Donahue Solicitors, an award-winning firm of expert compensation claims lawyers. Donahue Solicitors represents claimants throughout England and Wales in their civil actions against the police, data breach, personal injury, and professional negligence claims. To start your compensation claim, go to www.donahue-solicitors.co.uk or call 08000-124-246 today. I know a brush off when I hear it, and I saw you secretly checking your phone. You're not messing her around, are you? No. She's a really nice girl. Well, I'm trying to organise a surprise for her. I'm taking her to see an Iron Maiden tribute band, Brian Maiden. Brian Maiden? Yes, I was checking to see if I could get tickets. I didn't want to tell her until I knew. You sure that's Emma's thing? I thought she'd be more Spice Girls. Look, she loves Iron Maiden, right? She told me she knows everything about him. Mm, let's hope Brian Maiden cuts the mustard. She will be made up. Trust me. Welcome to episode 81 of the Talk of the Street, an unofficial Coronation Street Catch-Up podcast that didn't realise Kel had a DJ coaching business that had its own website and whose picture was taken outside the front of Chesney's house. I'm Gavin. And I'm Father Christmas. Sure. What? <laughs> Is that my... him knocking at the door? <laughs> That's my ho, 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 big fat belly knocking into the microphone. Ho, ho, ho. More Christmas. So why are you, why are you Santa? Oh, because I did some Christmas shopping today, and that always makes me feel good. I love shopping for other people. Yeah, I haven't done any Christmas shopping so far this year. <laughs> That's kind of hard for like, the course. Have I? Well, no, I don't no think so. because the only shopping that you'd be doing that I wouldn't be involved in is shopping for me. So you haven't done any I haven't done any of that. But we've got... Yeah, we're going to do it tomorrow, maybe. It's only the 6th. We've got plenty of time. I know. We didn't take advantage of any Black Friday or Cyber Monday or anything this year no. or Small Business Saturday. Hmm. But I mean, I, I I'd bought all of your presents at least a month ago. No. The, the last one was the one that I bought at Comic-Con. The other two were in the process way before then. So Still worried about what this thing from Comic-Con is. So exciting. Mm. So excited. Do have to pretend I like it? I love buying you presents. You will like it. Mm. No, you will. Well, we shall certainly find out <laughs> one way or the other. Actually, there's only... What's this? It's the 6th. We'll have the 13th and then the 20th. Yeah. So after this, we've only got a couple more episodes yeah. until we take our it's a short, Christmas break. Yeah, it's a short jump from Thanksgiving to Christmas this year because Thanksgiving was so late. Very late. About as late as it can possibly be, I think, isn't yeah. it? Wasn't it? Yeah, pretty much. Uh, yeah, I don't feel at all prepared. I'm usually much more prepared than I am. I haven't even put the tree up yet. Yeah, I'm I usually do that the day after. For that, I usually do that the day after Christmas or the day after Christmas, the day after Thanksgiving. Yeah, the day after Christmas is a perfect thing to put for a Christmas tree. But I decided to go into work on Black Friday, so I didn't have as much time to do things. No, you normally do that. No. Yeah, you. Always work on Black Friday. I thought I took it off last year. Nope. Because huh. I'm ready to go out and then just, oh, well, I'm, I'm working. <laughs> and then we'll have to hang about until three o'clock until you're finished. And then 
it's dark by the time we get to Toys R Us and all that sort of stuff, but we don't typically do that anymore. No, well, Toys R Us is closed. Now that the internet came out, you don't actually have to leave your yeah, it's fun. Your PC computer. It's it's fun to go out and look at stuff and tangibly hold things in your hand. I think I like to go into the shops and and look at stuff and get inspired. Mm. Still. For some things, it's easier to just do it online. And a lot of times I'll go into the shop and walk around and get inspired and then go home and order it online because it's cheaper. Cheaper, right? Or I won't, I won't even wait until I get home. I'll look online and see, oh, it's cheaper online and I'll just order it online. While you're actually standing in the store. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> There's, it's hard to think of a, a more get it right fucking up you <laughs> to the bricks and mortar store to actually order online as you're standing in the store. But that's what they get for charging too much. Well, you know, they have upkeep of a building that they, that, uh, you know, that online sellers don't always have. It's like the people at estate sales that will look up what something is selling for online and what it's worth before they'll buy it. They'll be like standing right there with their phone looking up the value of something. Meanwhile, there's like eight people behind them wanting to get into the room to look at stuff. It's annoying. You I know it's... You can do that with a car. You check the price on something standing in a park in, in, a, in a car sales lot. You'd look yeah. something up on Kelly Blue Book before you even That's talk true. to a, a salesperson or whatever. That's true. So. Yeah. Oh, how has your week been apart from that then? It's, it's, had its, it's, it's had its ups, mostly. A few downs. Oh. <laughs> what were your downs? Just still not feeling great. I feel like I caught your cold now that you're over your cold. Yeah, I'm breathing through my nose tonight. It's fucking marvellous. <laughs> and I'm starting to get all stuffy again and achy and stuff. But It comes and it goes. I'm telling you, that was a, a serious bit of cold. Yeah. It tends to happen at the same time every year, though. If Thanks. Facebook memories tells us nothing else. That's <laughs> <laughs> if we get sick around about the same time of the year. Every, every year. year. I went on a little bit of a Off Mice and Ken bender earlier this week. Aw. R.I.P. Hadn't listened to them in ages. R.I.P. of Mice and Ken. And I got uh, stuck in a little bit of a internet rabbit hole. Oh no. Because I've been listening to it over the last few days and I became increasingly curious as to who Patrick was touring with around the world because he was always in some place different. He was in DC and then he was in... Kyoto, Japan, and then he was in Melbourne. I was like curious as to who he was on tour with, and they mentioned that whoever he was touring with was supporting the Pixies, uh-huh. and the Pixies sound manager was whistling the theme to Coronation Street, oh. apparently. So I started to obsessively <laughs> <laughs> kind of stalk him and Ellis. Grace didn't have very much of an internet presence that I could find, but oh, interesting. But uh, according to Patrick's Twitter account, he was touring with somebody called Mitski. Have you heard of Mitski? No. Be right up your street. Kind of half Japanese, half American uh, female singer-songwriter. That does does sound right up my street. Quite a big deal, actually. Looking at her uh, Wikipedia, she was getting reviews from... The name's vaguely familiar, but I just... I'm not... I don't listen to an awful lot of new music, so... I haven't been, because it's all about the podcasts, but I was listening to them, 
and they're wonderful. Although, to be fair, you know, one of the podcasts I listens to, listen to is All Songs Considered, and every Friday they do a New Music Friday episode. So I do hear new music, but right. I don't, like, really go out and look for it too much. So that was the, the Patrick side of it. Uh-huh. The Ellis side of it, he had a band or a musical project called Brain Trust? No, Trust Fund. Uh-huh. So I found Trust Fund and was listening to them and they were excellent. Uh-huh. And then he's moved to Oslo and has got a band there called Podcasts. That's hilarious. <laughs> right. And they're pretty good as well. <clears throat> so it just seemed it was quite amusing to me that these talented folks spent so much time and energy of their own doing a Coronation Street podcast. <laughs> it was quite, quite funny. It's impressive that they were able to sync their schedules uh-huh. as well as they did. Yep. So, anyway... So, and we still don't know what Grace is doing. No. I love their music. I think that's the, that's the takeaway that I would, I'd like them to... Sure. ...to take sure. <laughs> if they do listen to this. The sure. music was great. Okay. Shall we preamble? Yes, please. <laughs> Hit me with that, Corey News. Not physically. That's me hitting Gav. Gav makes a dog noise when I hit Uh, Mikey North, who plays Gary Windass, apparently ticked off his wife after the birth of their daughter in September by buying an expensive painting on a drunken night out with the boys. He was talking about it on uh, on some morning show or something that after their daughter, Eliza, was born in September. And OK, OK Magazine has like the first pictures of the baby. She was born with a question mark. <laughs> think her name's eliza so apparently afterwards he was celebrating with his friends and bought a really expensive painting and his wife was not happy about it the number of times that i've gone out (laughs) on a drug at night out with the boys boys and and they look buying fine art (laughs) oh god oh where's that fine art come from oh no that's right i went to sotheby's that's more likely something i would do than you no you'd only buy things that are haunted not everything I buy is haunted and the things that I buy that are haunted tend not to be the things that you think are haunted Andrew Wyman continues to charm on I'm a Celebrity Ooh, I still haven't seen any of that yeah revealing that they uh, they won they were doing a, a challenge to earn some alcoholic bevies mm-hmm. and uh, it was revealed that his tipple of choice is Bacardi and Diet Coke. And that seems to delight everyone. Everyone seems to be de- delighted by this. Bacardi and Diet Coke. Yeah. It was rum and Coke. Only Bacardi. Yeah, I know what Bacardi yeah. is. Yeah. He, also, he also had a funny quip. Because um, people were complaining about um, Caitlyn Jenner. And how she doesn't seem to know very much about popular music and stuff even though her son-in-law is Kanye West and you know people are complaining no, that, 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 that everybody well for me. you know everybody's like putting their quip in and then it gets silent and then and then Andy says that she probably doesn't even know who uh Mr. Brightside is and everybody laughed I'm not sure I get that I don't I don't know if you're but <laughs> kidding 
She doesn't know the song, Mr. Brightside. Oh. And why is that funny? I think you just had to have been there. It was oh. just funny because like people were talking about like more modern stuff and oh she probably doesn't know this and she doesn't know that and they're like mimicking her being like an old lady and stuff. And then it gets quiet and then Andy makes this comment about Mr. Brightside and it was just it was charming and very funny. Oh, okay. Caitlin got voted off this week. No, oh, never going to win it. I wouldn't have thought. No. Americans don't tend to do very well on British game no. shows no. or reality shows. I don't try to think of any exceptions to that. Don't think so. You guys, you guys seem to like uh, what's his name on on Top Gear? Although he's not on Top Gear anymore, is he? What's his name? Matt Joey. LeBlanc. Yeah. No, he quit after the first two seasons. Yeah. He's not been on it for a while. It improved dramatically after he left. I thought. Really? Mm-hmm. Oh, poor Joey. It was, it was too obviously acting for most of it. I felt. Yeah, I can see. His that. second season, he was better, but it was no, yeah, it was still, mm. yeah, but wasn't great. Coronation Street stars are will go head to head against the Emmerdale cast in the Big Soap Quiz, coming <sighs> on December nineteenth at nine p.m. on ITV, nine p.m. UK time. So fingers crossed that this year. Corey will beat Emmerdale because Emmerdale won last year. Okay, representing Coronation Street are actors Alan Halsell, Alexandra Mardell, Jack P. Shepard, and Sue Nichols, a.k.a. Audrey Roberts. Meanwhile, Emmerdale will have returnee Lisa Riley, who famously portrayed Mandy Dinkle in the late 90s before reprising the role earlier this year, Mark Charnock, Isabel Hodgins, and Nick Miles all in their corner. We care less about the Emmerdale uh, Yeah, I don't know who they are, but... I know Lisa Riley, must be it, I think. And Jack P. Shepard was in it last year as well, but... And that's Corey News. That's Corey News. That's Corey News. A full... Ugh. Full report there from Helen. Thank you. Oh, no. Thank you. Oi. It's time for last year tonight. Yay! It's my favourite segment. <laughs> So this time last year on the Talk of the Street and Coronation Street, our episode from this time last year was called Angry Badgers. Yay! Can you remember what the Angry Badgers were? No, for the life of me, I can't remember any Angry Badgers. I'd... No, I had to actually listen to the episode again to figure it out. It was uh, Leanne insisting to Shona that she didn't want to get a hold off of Nick and would have rather that Nick disappeared down a ditch with Roy's Angry Badgers. Roy had some Angry Badgers. Oh, apparently so. Hmm. I was Gavin, and you really hated the song Baby It's Cold Outside, which I think I agreed still was do. a little bit rapey. Yes, still is. Still is. Still can't. It's still cringy. Haven't heard it this year, I don't think. I heard it today when I was at uh, in the store, but that's it. I don't hear it. Nearly as often as I used to, which is a good thing. Heard a lot of it last year, because I remember when we talked about it last year, it was like, it was like stuck in my head, because I just heard it so often. Hindsight Corner covered wee Ruby's family tree. We thought that his mother might be dead. She's not dead. She's just... She was in jail for a while, and then she got out, and I don't think she's been heard of since. That's unfortunate. I said, you hid 11 times, <laughs> one after the other. Describing when you hid when Brian sang. 
Brian sang Away in the Manger, and I said, you had. And you said, what? I said, you had. What do you mean? You had. I thought, I'm still confused. <laughs> you had. We were watching it. Uh-huh. A year later, I'm still explaining this. <laughs> we were watching it sitting together. That was the difference. We were in the other room around that computer. And we used to watch it. Remember, we used to watch it together. And then I used to watch it for the second time and take notes. Oh, yeah. Well, you hid. You hid behind me. <laughs> Did when I? Brian started to sing, yes. Like, was it that bad? It was quite cringy, yeah. Was this when he was drunk and he was in charge of the Christmas show? Oh, I can't remember. <laughs> Dev eats a pile of deviled kidneys in under 30 seconds. Oh, I remember that. <laughs> yeah, it was at the bistro. Yep. Kate yep. and Robert. Uh, wasted Adam's time by talking about a contract for the speech transfer. Our moment of the week was Nick and Imran stuck on the balcony of Leanne and Toy's flat in their hunder pants. Uh-oh. And our boring moment of the week was Cathy being a nightmare working in the cabin for just one shift. And that was Talk of the Street and Coronation Street last year tonight. Woohoo! Fun. <laughs> Shall we dive in, my dear? Yes. Okay. I'm sorry, sure? somebody yeah. Somebody So somebody is is requesting Stelly's help to bake cookies for the fundraiser for the teen center. And so I'm saying that we're recording the podcast so I can't bring her over. Sorry. <laughs> you can take her when we're done, can't you? Yes. Oh, so I was gonna suggest we went to the pub. Well, I could I could drop her off and then meet you at the pub, I guess. Okay, let's do that then. I don't drink, though. Let's fire through this as quickly as possible. <laughs> Our first storyline tonight is all its all about We Hope on Monday. It's the first day back at school for Hope and Evelyn is quick to point out that it's Jade's first day too in a new job with a new family well away from all of us. Yes, and isn't it amazing how quickly you were able to find this new family? Yep, mm. who, do, who don't exist. Yes. Hope gives Jade a hug and says that she'll miss her and when everyone leaves, Jade is left to look longingly around the living room. Jade has finished packing and Fizz settles up with her last pay packet. Fizz confirms that Hope was fine back at school but Jade isn't in the mood for chatting and rushes out. Less emotional a goodbye than the one Hope got, says Evelyn, who isn't missing a trick here. New. No. Hope isn't happy when Fizz says that she has to do some homework to catch up on the maths and she goes off to check her phone on the stairs as Fizz threatens to count up to five. And then proceeds to count down from five. <laughs> Satisfied that the phone is good and fully charged, Hope happily returns to Fizz. And then later, Hope fizz time, fizz times? Fizz times. FaceTimes Jade <laughs> and says that she's very sad because Mummy has been a nasty bitch again. Oh. And that's as far as we get with that. Poor Fizz. O- only on Monday, and only very briefly on Monday. Yeah. Well, we had a lot of other stuff to take care of this week. Yes, we did. Yeah, we did. There was something else that only happened very briefly on Monday. What was that? It was a half-brother from the same mother storyline. Oh, yeah. Yeah, we only <laughs> got a little bit of that this just week. Just a wee bit. Just a smidge. <laughs> on Monday. Smooch? Smidge. Smidge. Yeah, let's go with smidge. Yes. On Monday, Aggie insists that the cafe will be safe in her hands, and Roy remains unconvinced. And Roy seemed to hand Aggie a... A list. ...that she... Immediately put down on a wet counter, and yeah. Roy just ended up walking around about the cafe with a piece of wet, wet paper. Was it wet or was it, it greasy? Looked, it looked like it I thought wet. it was greasy. I don't know. But anyway, Roy arrives at Richard's. He's had a bad night. Roy gives Nina uh, lunch for college, which she claims that she didn't want. 
and she pretends to be grateful and then leaves. Richard and Roy settle down for a game of backgammon, although Richard isn't sure of its current whereabouts. Mm-hmm. Do you know how to play backgammon? It's been a while since I've played. I think I know how to play. I've played it online a couple of times and not had a clue what I was doing. <laughs> you, you move things, right. certain moves, according to what you roll in the dice, don't you? You've got to get yours from one corner of the board up and to the other corner or something or some such. It's kind of like Go, isn't it? No, Go is kind of more flat and you just have to surround your other pieces. Go apparently is very difficult to play. Well, if 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 we're to believe the the cast of Dives Out. <laughs> is that where I've got that opinion from? I think so. Because the old man really? says that she's better at playing Go than than Captain America. And Captain America, that's like the one thing that really pisses him off about his granddad who's dying. Only he's not really Captain America. I've gotten into so many Twitter discussions about that sweater this week. It was a delight. It's a nice sweater. I used to have a yeah. sweater very like it. Yeah, you'd look nice in a sweater like that. I did look nice in a sweater like that. I had a sweater like that. I've had several sweaters like people, that. People on Twitter were confused as to why this this really wealthy rich kid would have holes in his sweater and I, and I had to explain um, the Yankee mentality of of the old wealth in New England. There is also nothing better than a very old sweater. Right. It's more comfortable. That has holes in it and has been worn for years on end. Apparently the uh, costume designer actually literally took sandpaper to that sweater to, to rough it up and, and make it look a little you know, worn in and stuff. Oh, there's that sneeze from last week. <laughs> you found it! <laughs> oh my god. That was a nice looking sweater. Huh? Anyway, backgammon. Yeah. <laughs> Richard is sleeping as Roy tidies up his room and finds a final demand for council tax or something hidden in the bookcase. With a little more searching, he finds more similarly threatening envelopes behind more books. Roy really shouldn't be doing this, should he? No. He opens one of those envelopes but he's as well. Cleaning. Well, it was already opened. Yeah, but I still don't think you should be taking what was in it out. Well, he's concerned. Oh well, I'm sure that would stand up in the court of law. Right, but he's gonna pay for all of these, isn't he? Now, here's the thing: who hid them behind the bookshelves? Was it the dying brother or the goth niece? Oh, there was a goth, I think, definitely. You think so? Yep. Right. Nina's back from college just as Roy has walked Richard back to bed. She's not happy that everything's been moved around. Her day has been spent sketching bats. And despite the fact that her sketches are shit, oh, Roy recognises... I didn't think they were that bad. ...a Bechstein's bat, which Nina seems to appreciate. Roy says that he has a love for bats. And yes. invites her along to his next bat watch. Yes, and she seems to... Gen- this is the first time she genuinely seems interested in Roy. Yeah. Which is nice. It's nice that they have bats in common. You'd think that she would know this already by the fact that he was Batman. That was his name on the oh, yeah, yeah. on the online game of chess. Scrabble. That they were- Scrabble? Okay. Mm. Words with friends. It was nice that you were able to tell that she was being genuine when she smiled. Yes. As opposed to all the other times that she smiled and you could tell that she wasn't being genuine. Yes. Good job, Nina. Well done. Roy and Richard are playing battleships now, and Nina has warmed I to Roy that. following the bat stuff, but she freezes up again when Roy's leaving and he offers them financial assistance. 
they're doing fine, she insists, for maybe the bajillionth time. And that's as far as we get with that one this week. Correct. Uh, how long are you giving Richard? <laughs> uh, he can't last much longer. <sighs> Dead before Christmas. Yes, obviously. Dead before Christmas is what Dead we're going before for. Christmas. Because then she's got to spend her first Christmas... With Roy. With Roy. And Carla. I think is going to be the way it goes. Yay. What a lucky girl. I'm kind of disappointed that we're writing off Malcolm from TV's watching so quickly. I.e. Richard. Yeah. I quite like the fact that Roy's got a brother. Yeah, it's nice. And, and they not, seem so... We're not allowing it to, to last for any length of time. I know. And they seem to be getting along so well together and playing board games and stuff. I guess it's not riveting TV. I like it. But it's quite pleasant it to watch. It was so funny watching these two old men play Battleship. Mm-hmm. And Roy's apparently very good at Battleship. Yes. Mm. Unfortunately, we never get to hear either one of them say, You sank my Battleship! <laughs> That's a very, you sank my Battleship face you just pulled there. <laughs> <clears throat> I used to have a hankering for a t-shirt that said, You sank my Battleship. Oh, I wish I'd known that before now. Mm-hmm. I've already bought your Christmas. Oh, well. We I have Battleship. To, I can look forward to that we next year. We should play that sometime. No, it's fine. It's fine. I like playing Battleship. I'll play with the kids. Our next storyline tonight is Miss Royds. Emma. Emma Royds. Hemorrhoids. Piles. I... I feel like I'm playing the, the, the pyramid game and no, no one's playing with me. No, it's just... Well, Sean calls the, it that. Of all the weeks. Oh, because Sean does it this week, which we'll find uh, out in my notes. I On don't Monday, remember Sean calling her that. Mm-hmm. That's a horrible thing for Sean to say, but well, I thought Sean, Sean liked her. Amy and Asha and Emma are practicing Amy's line. She's forgotten her opening line from the Bugsy play and Emma and Asha aren't exactly full of sympathy, although Emma gives her something of a pep talk. <gasps> Then tells her to break an egg. Instead of her leg. Mm-hmm. In the rovers, Sean is giving Emma dating advice. He calls her Miss Royds and then decides to call her Sunshine in the Bottle. So you're not quite sure how he feels about right. it. And Sean, <clears throat> Sean's an expert at dating. Exactly. He's, he's, he does it so well. He's had so many successful relationships. He's a, he's Mr. Uh, first Date, I think, isn't he? Dark. Yes, he, that's what he calls himself. Emma seems to have forgotten that she's already dated Seb in the past. And yeah. is getting what way up about it well may- or maybe she is remembering and remembering that she liked it and, and that you know maybe don't ask him about his aids this, this time hmm? Hmm. Hmm. Seb and Emma meet up later at the Rovers Seb thinks it's weird having a date at her workplace and he's ordered them a couple of hot pots HIV he doesn't have aids yet no and probably won't no Emma pretends that she's not veggie and will pick the meat out and they're sitting next to each other in the booth which I found got a bit weird Later, I think, then the next day, they sit next to each other in Roy's rolls as well. Yeah. Oh, yeah, because she's feeding, she's stuffing her Claire in his face. No, that's not sitting, they're not sitting across from each other, they're sitting next to no, each other. No, yeah, so she's like... Leaning across Leaning and across. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's kind of like... <laughs> I love these actions. It's, kind of it's like, like having Marcel Marceau sitting across It's kind of like when me. I shoved wedding cake in your face. Remember that? I nearly punched you in the throat when you did that. I was like, what the fuck are you doing? <laughs> uh, anyway... Uh, Sean brings the hot pots over and checks that Emma has compiled the pub quiz for tonight. She says she has, but she hasn't, and so oh Seb no. offers to help. 
Huzzah. So later, Emma and Seb are compiling an Iron Maiden heavy music round. An Iron Maiden heavy music round. An Iron Maiden heavy metal music? No. No? I think it's heavy on the Iron Maiden music. Oh. That's what I'm meaning. I thought Seb, that was just the one question about Iron Maiden. Yeah. Seb thinks that Emma's lovely. Lovely, I tell you. And later again, Emma's presented with a mistletoe headset for the quiz later, and Seb wastes no time suggesting a smooch that Emma is only too happy to comply with. Huzzah! And then he rubs his nose. Aw. I don't know why he did that. Because he's on the cocaine. <laughs> Itchy nose. He's not. Mary, Steve, Amy, Asha, other people, the Welsh drama guy, they're all back at Roy's Rolls pretending to drink coffee. The Welsh guy wants to get Mary on her own, but she doesn't seem to twig that he's totally hitting on her. And Which is weird, because I totally thought he was gay. Oh, with that uh, sweat around his shoulders? Totally. Yeah. But he's not. And the way he talks. But he fan- maybe he that's, Mary. Maybe, is it, maybe that's just because he's Welsh. <laughs> Hello, Wales. <laughs> Hello, Wales. I think you're all homosexuals. <laughs> I don't really... She does. She said this before. <laughs> Them Welsh gay people. <laughs> she doesn't twig and she invites everyone round to the Rovers. It seems that Amy did well in her, in her uh, play. Yes, yes, for the first. Mary one. is fucking fuming at the heavy metal questions in the music round. Yeah, seriously. And the Welsh guys get a little bit scared and Steve watches on unhappily as Seb flirts with Emma and later he tells her that Seb needs to get his hair cut. Which is true. And, but yet he's had his hair cut. He can't put it in a ponytail anymore. It's now in a very fetching bob. It's a bob, yeah. Emma and Seb on Wednesday are in Roy's Rolls sitting next to each other again. She asks him round to hush for dinner, but he has plans in town with a mate. And Emma looks strangely crushed by this. Island gives Seb a talk about doing the right thing by Emma. She's worried that he's brushing her off, but it turns out he's arranging tickets for an Iron Maiden tribute act. Brian Maiden. Brian Maiden. And Emma is with Amy and Roy's Rolls. She thinks Seb is going to dump her. Then Seb comes in with his stupid Iron Maiden tickets and everything is okay Brian again. Brian Maiden. Mm-hmm. Emma's quite high maintenance. Brian, she's... It's weird because, like, Eileen was also... You seem to have been giving her the brush off and everything. When he was... You've been on one date. Yeah, you've been on one date, and he says, oh, I have plans already today. Sorry, I can't come to dinner. And she thinks that means that he do- he's no longer interested. Right. He let you shove an eclair in his face. Mm-hmm. I think he's still interested. Right. He let you shove a phallic pastry into his mouth Or maybe she public. thinks that's what put him off because he's not Welsh. It's... <laughs> We're sorry, Wales. Are we? Yeah, it could have been anyone. Just blame that guy, the the drama teacher. Just blame that guy. If he'd been Australian, we'd have been talking about Australians. Oh, they're totally gay. (laughs) Uh, Later in the Rovers, Emma confesses to Amy that she hates Iron Maiden, but it was her dad's favourite band. Well, she doesn't say she hates them. It's not her favourite. Which goes back to what Eileen thought, because she thought that Emma was much more of a Spice Girl, which does make more sense. Yeah. Oh, well. She knows a lot about Iron Maiden, though, so it's fine. How are you feeling about Seb and Emma together? I think it's a good match. I was really devastated when it didn't work the first time, so I'm really hoping it works the second time. 
I don't think I like Seb being happy. <laughs> yes, but I like Emma being happy. I don't think I like Emma being happy with him. Well, slim pickings on the ground. This is true. There are not very many eligible bachelors on the show. Round about Emma's age. Yeah. There's Ali, but he's a drug addict. And is a good bit older than her, I think. And is obsessed with Maria. Ryan is... Is with Ali. Alia. He's not... Yeah, yeah. he's with Alia, so he's not single. And again, still a bit old. Mm. Gary. Yeah. Gary is with Maria. Mm-hmm. He's not single. James is gay. Michael might... Too old. And might be interested in his former... And Jade. He is interested in Jade, as it turns out. Jade's just not interested in him. Oh, and then he has his whole Grace baby thing. Right, yes. So, yeah, so it really has to be Seb, doesn't it? It does have to be Seb. There's nobody else. Chesney, no. Chesney's marrying Gemma. Tyrone, no. Too old. Tyrone's with Fizz. Kev. Way too old. <laughs> that would be gross. Dev. Way too old. That would be gross. And and can you imagine... Brian. Can you imagine if Dev started dating Steve's daughter? Steve would kill him. Tim. Oh, no. No. Also not single. Gone too far. We'll see where that goes. I believe that this is getting set up for a spanner to be thrown in the works. Of... Seb and Emma? Yeah, because it's kind of going a little bit too smoothly, don't you think? Yeah. Where's the drama? Well, it's nice for the show to have storylines that don't have drama. It's nice to have some little pockets of sunshine among the after-school specials that are as every other storyline right. on the show. So I'm enjoying it. It gives me... Space to just breathe and enjoy seeing young love up on the screen. <laughs> I'm happy with it. I don't want it to end and I don't want something to go bad. Because there's plenty of other bad stuff going on all over the place. Here's another little ray of sunshine. It's Daniel and his ghoulish ways. Oh, <laughs> One day. I am so tired of Daniel. Daniel is in his vest on the phone to presumably the police about his laptop. Oh, Daniel. Emma could date Daniel. But there seems to be He's more confusion now. than it. Yeah, I think the term's widow, doesn't it? <laughs> well, it doesn't matter how he's single, but he is single. And I think, uh, I think Bethany's going to be digging her clothes into him before too long's gone out. Yeah, so Daniel's in his vest on the phone to presumably the police about his laptop, but there seems to be more confusion than anything else. And Peter and Carla come in to check to make sure he's eaten, and the fridge is full of old Bertie food and nothing for Daniel. And later, Craig returns the laptop to a still-vested Daniel, and it's no longer needed by the inquiry, which is the exact, exact opposite of what the police told Daniel earlier. I was yeah, quite surprised they didn't day. need it. Yeah, that bothered me. So he fires up the laptop that still that still seems to have a charge, but he can't bring himself to watch any of the videos. Then a crying Bertie interrupts his, his thought process. Saying, well, well, those videos are for me, Dad. Leave them alone. Right. Don't corrupt them with your sorrow. And then later, Daniel has finally found the courage to watch some of the Sinead videos. That are not for him. And he finds it a bit upsetting. Because they're not for him. On Wednesday... Daniel is sitting watching more Sinead videos with Bertie from beyond the grave. Sinead tells Bertie that he could be an astronaut. Or 
president of the United States. Hold on. No. Or Knickerbocker. Oh, yes, what, what? yes. He could knit knickers like mummy or be a writer like daddy. Isn't. <laughs> no. was the last time daddy wrote something that was published and he got paid for it. Oh, he, did that stuff. he had something in the Gazette a couple of months ago, didn't he? But they publish any old cheat. <laughs> except, for, except for something written by Bethany right. about her well, abuse. Ken, se- <laughs> Ken seems to have got out of the hospital, not that anyone gave a fuck one way or the other. Right, and, and he seems to not be any worse for wear after having had pneumonia. Well, This is an aged man who was coughing every other word just last week before they finally decided to let him have pneumonia and put him in the hospital. Yep. He's 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 perfectly fine walking around as if everything is fine, as if he didn't have pneumonia, which kills people his age. Do you know who else this week was walking around perfectly fine just two weeks after having surgery on their leg? Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so... Ah, consistency, people. So Ken turns up at Daniel's with some messages and makes them both a sandwich. And he's tidying up and he wants to make them both a cup of tea. Daniel tries to throw him out. He says he wants to be left alone and Ken reluctantly goes and Daniel's immediately back on the laptop looking at more videos. Ken goes round to see Adam who thinks if Daniel wants to be left alone then maybe just leave him alone. Seriously. Adam is the voice of reason here. What? Ken's worried and doesn't think this is healthy so Adam promises to check in on them later. And later, Adam does exactly that. He turns up to get Daniel to go and see Bugsy Malone. Daniel doesn't want to go. Well, no one wants wants to go, go. says Adam. And then Daniel sticks his guns and doesn't want Adam coming up. And with that out of the way, Daniel goes back to having a beer and watching his stupid videos. Which are not stupid. They're just not for him. I am really worried. I'm really worried that... In order to stop Daniel's obsession with these videos, somebody is going to delete those videos, which are for Bertie when he's older, and not for not for frickin' Daniel in the first place. And that he's watching them and being mopey and insisting that he's a good daddy and he's the only one who can take care of Bertie and nobody else is allowed to take care of Bertie. Meanwhile, poor Bertie is sitting in a shitty diaper in the <laughs> other room while Daniel gets drunk and watches videos of his dead wife. I wouldn't mind so s- ghoulish. I wouldn't mind so much if he was getting any comfort or joy from it, but, but he's, he's getting not. neither of those things. It's just making them worse. Yeah. And he seems to be content with being made worse. And, you know, and he's enclosing himself and his son away from their family. You know, and he's like, I'm all Birdie has. No. No. No, you're not. I think Beth would have something to say about that. I think Polly Kane would have something to say about that as well. I'm surprised Beth hasn't barged down that door and taken that baby and said, lighten up, sunshine. (laughs) Listen to some Mr. Brightside. That sounds like something that Beth would say. Yeah, and then punch him in the face. But remember to breathe too heavily in the microphone (laughs) first. (laughs) So... uh, Seems strangely tickled by that. <laughs> I don't know why it's not funny. No, it's not funny. <laughs> oh dear. Good job. Thank you. Uh, I love we're, you. We're flying through this. <laughs> it's, just a, ah. uh, it's just so close to Christmas and getting getting a week off and 
a, oh, a you little get bit, a wee cough. A little, little demo poppy. Mm. Hey. Huh. One of mum's goats had twins today. Is this a joke? Two new baby goats. Didn't they have one last year? Yeah. This thing? No, last year it was like on Christmas Eve that goat had a baby. And now this year, another goat. Goats typically have babies in December. Is this normal? I didn't think so, but this is the second. feel normal. This is the second year it's happened. They look healthy, so fingers crossed. Mm, well, your next storyline tonight. Thanks for that. Thanks for that goat update. <laughs> yes. The happiest day of your life. On Monday, everyone is around at the bistro waiting for the big announcement that they want that Robert and Michelle want to make. And Robert tells the gathered masses that they have a date for their wedding. It's tomorrow. What? And Jenny is pissed that Robert isn't actually 50 until next October, so at least that's addressed. Because it seemed like they were deciding that he was he was actually 50 this October, but Jenny pointed out, well, wait a minute, I didn't think you were 50 until yeah. at least... A, okay. Yeah. Uh, Robert asks Ryan and Ali to be his best men. Ali pretends that's fine. And then a slow applauding Irish Tina walks in. Isn't this lovely? She says. Robert tries to manoeuvre her outside. That was a dreadful Irish it was. accent. You'd think I'd be good at that. I'm yeah, really so many people seem to think you're Irish. Right. Nobody Irish has ever thought that I'm Irish. No, no, just dumb Americans mm. who, who also compliment you on how well you speak English. Right. Yes, I've been practising for a while. Robert That's tries- happened, folks. Yeah. It actually happened. People complimented Gav on how well he speaks English. Americans are stupid. <laughs> and Welsh are gay. And Australians we're not quite sure about. <laughs> Robert tries to manoeuvre her outside and she reacts like she's been punched. Jenny whispers her thoughts that Robert might be the father of uh, the baby that's inside Irish Tina. Mm-hmm. Don't hurt me again, says Irish Tina loud enough for everyone to hear. And then she agrees to leave. And Michelle tells everyone that this is actually all about Tyler. Outside, right, yeah. Irish Tina says that she's here to ruin Robert's life and he calls her twisted. She's spoken to us. Oh, solicitor, yeah, she's the twisted one, right, Robert. And she's going to take him to the cleaners. Say uh-huh. sayonara to the bistro, you shit, she says. And she reacts again when he touches her arm. And this is seen by Craig and Peter and Carla. And Michelle comes out just as Irish Tina is leaving. Yes, and Craig does the policeman thing and comes over and asks if she's okay yes. and if she hello, needs any hello, help. Hello, hello, hello. What's all this then? Says Craig. <laughs> And then when... Well, Tristine is Billy Club. <laughs> and then says, well, I need to go and stand over here now. Yes. And he waddles like a penguin. <laughs> like a keystone cup. Robert gets back home and finds Michelle. She isn't happy that she had to lie to her friends and family. She demands to know what Irish Tina wanted. And for once, Robert actually tells the truth. He, uh, she wanted to threaten him, he says. How can, <coughs> how can that pint-sized slapper threaten him? Michelle asks. Uh, legally. She wants a bistro. Michelle says Irish Tina can't get anything that isn't Robert's. Sign the bistro over to Michelle. Problem solved. Do the right thing by the baby, but the bistro has to be safe in Michelle's name. And Robert says that he needs to think about it. And she's oddly calm throughout all of this. Yep. She doesn't go after Irish Tina. She doesn't yell. She doesn't scream. This was the moment. When we said... Because hmm. I thought that they were in cahoots, and Michelle then, and Irish Tina, and then, and then I was convinced that they weren't. I think you'd convinced me that they weren't, and then while convincing myself that they were, and there was hmm, yeah. this is all playing out rather too yes. neatly, isn't it? With all the yeah. dramatic, he's hurting me, and hmm. The, hmm. 
So Michelle and Robert get back to the bistro and he keeps up the pretense that he's been out to help Tyler. Privately, Robert is sorry for putting Michelle through this and then confirms his agreement for the bistro. Michelle goes off to see Adam right there and then. Yes. Meanwhile, Johnny is suspicious that there's something not quite right about the surprise wedding thing. Oh, oh, I'm sorry. There, there is something no not quite right about the surprise wedding thing. Yeah. <laughs> What's your leak on carne? Michelle. Oh no, gets, wait. Dev is the one who likes the lasagna. Yeah. <laughs> Michelle gets Chili back. To, Michelle gets back to the bistro. The paperwork has been drafted already. Hmm. hmm. From afar, Carlo overhears the conversation and already seems to know what's going on. Later, Robert is reading over the transfer document when Carla comes in. And she tells him that she already knows about the paperwork and what's going on. Michelle has forgiven him, so this is a chance to prove that he trusts her, she says. Outside, Carla tells Michelle that she talked Robert into signing the document, and she wants Michelle to call the wedding off. But no, Michelle is determined to humiliate Robert and make him suffer. Back home, Michelle says that she's got a stinking headache, and she tells Robert that she's scared Irish Tina's going to turn up and ruin the wedding. Robert thinks Michelle's been paranoid, but Michelle is apparently so worried she wants to postpone the wedding, and then she threatens to go out to talk to Irish Tina, but Robert's having none of this. He talks her out of it, and he goes instead. Just like he always would. Right, yes, and she lets him instead of... Puts up not one word of complaint. Yeah. Just lets him go. Hmm. Hmm. Ryan and Ali are in the rovers discussing their best man duties for the next day. They've been given 24 hours to come up with a speech. I don't think you're going to need a speech, boys. I think it's going to be fine. No, I think it'll be fine. So Robert turns up at Irish Tina's. How is she? She seems to be unusually aggressive. And, well... Maybe not unusually. Yeah. But right off the the bat, she's aggressive towards him. Right, yeah. Starts throwing stuff. He says that they need to talk. She threatens to turn up at the wedding, claiming to know where it is and when it is, and you can't stop me. And uh, Robert says, well, we'll just see about that. They argue loudly, and it's enough for the neighbour to uh, knock on the wall and tell them to shut up. She calls uh, Michelle a skank and starts to throw mugs at Robert. Or vase. Yeah. Yes. Something. And she makes sure that she throws it at him towards the wall. Where the neighbour is, right. Where the neighbour is, while yelling, don't. Don't touch me and mm-hmm. get your hands off me and things like that. Then the neighbour is outside about to jump in the door when there's a thud and Irish Tina screams and then there's silence. And then she doesn't knock on the door. No, the neighbour thinks twice and then slinks back into her house noticing the viaduct bistro van that's parked outside looking yes. rather conspicuous. Yes, this is a great neighbour who when there are sounds of perhaps abuse going on or moida doesn't call the police. No. Doesn't Ro- Doesn't try to help. Robert gets home looking a bit stunned and with a cut to his face, Michelle notices it and figures that Irish Tina must have done it. Robert says that she didn't take the news well, but he's sure that Irish Tina will not be bothering either of them ever again. Ever again. Not that that sounds ominous or anything. Michelle confirms then that the wedding's back on. She wouldn't want to miss it for the world, she says. Yeah. On Wednesday, Robert comes back from what he claims was a long walk. His shoes are covered in mud, and Michelle is awake and suspicious that he's been round to see Irish Tina again, but he reiterates that that business is all sorted out. Because mm-hmm. when he was going down to his leg, I thought, oh, they're actually going to address the fact that Robert's recovering from leg surgery. But no, it's to point out no, that there's mud on his shoes. Just point out the mud. The surgery's fine. Yes. And Roy's rolls, Alex is back. Yay! Yeah, because we asked where he was right. last week, so they put him back in, mm-hmm. briefly. 
Where's that million pounds? Next week. Mm. And Roy's rolls. Oh, I've just said that. Alex is back. Yay! <laughs> well, less excited this time. In comes Johnny for a full <laughs> English ahead of the wedding. He always gets peckish this time, and Eileen suggests that he eat some crisps. Yeah, he brings some crisps. And then him. his full English. Right. Michelle has fixed Robert's cut somehow, and he leaves just as Maria and Emma arrive to get Michelle all dolled up or whatever. And Michelle is getting all dolled up, and she's ready to go. This seems like extraordinary lines to go to to get to revenge. Yeah, she gets to get pretty. In the church, Ryan is giving Robert a pep talk while Johnny's trying to secretly eat crisps. Amy observes <laughs> that the flowers are lilies, which are more associated with funerals. Well done, Amy. Yes, yes, she's mad because Tracy didn't get the contract right. to do the flowers. Billy is getting his knickers in a knot about the timekeeping. But outside, Michelle has arrived and Carla's going to walk her down the aisle. She asks Michelle if she's sure she wants to go through with this, and Michelle responds by pulling her veil down. And then they go and walk down the aisle to Beneath Your Beautiful by Labyrinth which I felt was an odd choice. Hmm. Robert reads his vows to Michelle. He talks about them getting together through pain which turned to love, love which has never wavered. He calls her the sun around which he orbits, which Amy announces as being naff. She's not wrong. No. Robert goes on for far too long and reads a list of things that Michelle isn't famous for, like her kindness and her understanding and all that sort of stuff. Mm -hmm. Michelle then takes a deep breath and starts to recite texts from Irish Tina back to him yes but we don't know well the audience doesn't know that's what she's doing the audience doesn't know and robert doesn't know to start with but then he seems to recognize a few key phrases and was like oh, oh what are you doing yeah yeah when she starts talking about when we make love oh she said make love yeah oh, and it was just oh irish tina oh never uses the phrase you, make love when you touched me for the first time and everybody in the audience is like Irish Tina would have said something like, when you fucked me for the first time, I thought my socks were going to blow off. Something like that. No, no, she wouldn't. This is... (laughs) She's she's not really a slag. There's no way in the world that Irish Tina's saying made love. She probably did, because that's something that's really cringy. Well, maybe. But, yeah. And And then she reveals that these are all text messages from... His lover. Yeah, she motions to Carla uh, for her phone and continues to read the conversation in which Robert tells Irish Tina about Rory. And it all reveals that Robert lied to Michelle about him being engaged to Irish Tina and only sleeping with her once. Michelle claims that the messages were sent by Irish Tina to her so that she could... Uh, rub it. So Irish Tina could rub her nose in it. Which, which likely isn't true. Isn't true, no. Thanks for the free restaurant, she says, and then she storms out. Then just when Robert thought his day couldn't get any worse, Ali and Ryan go for him and then Tyler shows up somehow, want to know what Robert's done with his mum. The neighbour heard him argue and now she's disappeared. Yeah. So we knew that Irish Tina said that she knew where and when the wedding was going to be, but Uh didn't didn't suspect that Tyler had any idea. Well, she probably would have told him. Right. You make sure you go up here and you cause a scene. Yeah. Mm. So I think he's in on it as well. You know what was really sad though? Before Michelle walks down the aisle, Ryan and Allie say, offer offer to walk her down the aisle. And she's touched. But then she's like, no, I already told Carla she could do it. Because she doesn't want her sons walking her down the aisle for this particular wedding. And Carla says, yeah, you could do it next time. (laughs) (laughs) 
But they wouldn't have known there was gonna be definitely going to be a next time. Right. Hmm. Robert follows Michelle, but she's surrounded by shitty corners and <laughs> drives off, leaving Robert with a quivering lip. Aww. Michelle gets home and is upset, and she talks with Carl and Maria about Robert potentially doing something to harm Irish Tina. Tyler was a bit worked up, and Robert has form. He did time for being up rich that time, and he also put a brick through Carla's car window, let's not forget. Yes, let's not forget. Robert shows up at Adam's, demanding his bistro back. Adam tells him he makes the owner an offer then. (laughs) 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 Robert tries to rough Adam up, but Adam is quick to turn the conversation to Robert killing Irish Tina. Right, yeah, you're you're the the woman who's carrying your child has disappeared. Shouldn't Mm -hmm. you be more worried about that than your restaurant? And that gives Robert pause, like, oh, crap. Yep. We're not done here, he says. Yeah. So Michelle's in the robots now. Yeah. And Leanne and Toya offer their help if she needs it. Which was nice. Sure, fine. In comes Tyler, still worried about Irish Tina. Then in comes Robert wanting to talk. Tyler once again accuses Robert of bumping his mum off. And weirdly, the place stinks of bleach now, says Tyler. Robert calls this ridiculous, he's not a murderer, and Tyler says he's calling the police, which Robert gets very agitated about, until Johnny throws him out. Then Michelle is back yeah, home Yeah, it was up. really funny. Initially, they were going to throw Tyler out, <laughs> then when Robert showed up... No, he's okay. Let's... He's okay, now let's throw Robert out. <laughs> Michelle is back home with a bunch of folks. She's got the bistro, but she's lost the man that she loved. She thought Robert was the one. This was a weird conversation. Mm-hmm. It confused me. Ali is surprised it lasted as long as it did. And Michelle announces that she's selling up and moving away, and for some reason, Carla and Ryan try to talk her out of it. Meanwhile, Robert is sitting in the bistro van, and he starts Crying. beating up the steering wheel in tears. Oh, poor wee thing. Poor and wee head. And on Friday, it would seem that Robert has slept in the bistro van, and he's woken up by police sirens, and he looks like shite. He climbs out the van and immediately goes for Ryan, who's going into the bistro, I think. Right, yeah, he's, he's opening the bistro up. And he's go- Brian won't let him in. Right. And Robert tells him that he's going to fight for this bistro. He's going to fight your mother for this. And Ryan is surprised that he's thinking of the restaurant at this time and not finding his pregnant girlfriend who's missing. Seriously? Yeah, well, that's what I'm about to do, actually, says Robert. Oh. <laughs> Fooling no one. Gary splits it up when it looks like the two might scrap and Robert goes off calling Ryan Rambo. <laughs> sure. For okay. no reason whatsoever. Robert is back at the flat and it's in darkness. He starts to make coffee when there's a knock at the door. It's DS McKinnon. DS McKinnon's back. Yay! Yay! I thought she'd had a promotion. I thought she was DC McKinnon before. Maybe. I don't know. Who knows? Well, no, looking... it was DC the other one. Oh, was it? Yeah. Uh, she's looking to ask him some questions about Irish Tina. Robert makes her a cuppa. While McKinnon quizzes him, he tells her that Irish Tina's carrying his childhood admits that he saw her on Monday, asked her to stay away from his wedding. Uh, they argued, she threw stuff at him, and he left. He came back and went for a walk. And then Robert suddenly twigs that he's been asked for an alibi here and tells McKinnon that Irish Tina is volatile and is liable to go AWOL. And she says, yes, yeah, seven months pregnant, do you think? I don't think so. Meanwhile, Michelle is chatting at the bistro with Ryan, talking about getting a decent price for the place. And Robert goes round to see Tyler, accusing him of reporting Irish Tina missing to the police and pointing the finger at Robert. Uh-oh. He calls the whole situation ridiculous again, but Tyler insists everything they told the police was the truth. Robert says he'd do nothing to hurt Irish Tina or the baby, and then Tyler asks Robert to leave. And then McKinnon turns up at the bistro to speak with Michelle, and Michelle gets Carly to sit in with her on this, which I thought was an interesting move. Mm-hmm. Let's make sure that Carla hears these questions and hears yes. my response to these questions. Right. Michelle gives her, her side of the story. 
how she was worried about Irish Tina ruining the wedding, and then came back to say Irish Tina, and then Robert came back to say Irish Tina wouldn't be any more problem. Michelle does a good job of implicating Robert without making it obvious that that's what she's doing. Right, she seems to go out of her way to say that he wouldn't hurt a fly. Oh no, he's a good man. He's fine, because uh, McKinnon says, "Is he capable of violence?" And Michelle's, "No, no, 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 no. He wouldn't. He wouldn't. He wouldn't do that." And Carla looks at her, thinking, "What? We had this conversation yesterday. Remember?" Right. And it's, and it looks like McKinnon twigs to the fact that oh, Carla is. So. Yeah. Wait a second here. Because once McKinnon is gone, Carla thinks Michelle should have told the cops about Robert beating up Rich. And remember my uh, car window. Mm-hmm. Let's not forget that. No. That was different, says Michelle. And she doesn't want to be the one to drop Robert in it after everything that she's done. Outside the bistro, McKinnon nabs Carla and informs her that she found out about the Rich thing. Carla confirms it and tells McKinnon about her car window as well. Let's, let's not forget Let's not forget it. <laughs> McKinnon takes from this that Robert is very protective about Michelle and Robert who's hiding round the corner at this point, hears, hears all of this. this. And that's as far as we get with that one this week. Hmm. So do you think Irish Tina's dead? No. That's a hard no. This is all, I think, without any reading of spoiler, I think that Michelle and Irish Tina have concocted this to make Robert look guilty of murder, possibly get done for it. Mm-hmm. Well, she goes away, I don't know where she's going to go. Right. Back to Ireland, maybe. Who knows? But I definitely think... Maybe she'll buy the bistro for Michelle. Oh, with what? There's no way in the world that she's got... She can't afford that, I don't think, can she? Oh, it depends on what the price is, I guess. Mm. That's right. And you have a motivated seller. Yes. And Michelle and someone who this plan has been hatched with. Mm-hmm. That could be... Interesting. Very interesting. Hmm. So no, I don't think... I don't think Irish Tina's dead. And then Michelle wanting to get away from all this. Mm-hmm. Just distances her from what she's done. Right. It and is... she seems in very much of a hurry to get this, right. and this matter is... resolved. Very, and it's a it's a way for her to exit the show as well. Finally. <laughs> and Robert going away for murder gets him out of the show. Does that do the mailbag? Huh? I didn't do the mailbag. You didn't do the mailbag. Sorry, people who may have contacted us. <laughs> so, what do you think is happening? No. You, you can't speculate? I, I already did. About Irish Tina buying the Oh, you the seriously bistro. think that she's going to buy the bistro? I think it's a possibility that they may have some deal worked out, and that's how. That's how. Because uh, it, it doesn't really feel like Michelle cares about the money from the bistro. She just wants to take everything from Robert. Right, so long as he doesn't have it, she right. doesn't care that she doesn't have it. Right. Hmm. I mean, she's going to have to have money to live, but I think she already has money put away. I'm still not sure that the whole wedding thing was entirely necessary to have the same effect. It, I think so, because she has to do it in front of a whole bunch of people, although not very many people came to that wedding. The same people who turned up the bistro on Monday to be told about the wedding, she could have done it then. Right, you'd, you'd think that she would have, that they would have asked more people. 
to this thing because it wasn't the whole what didn't robert say well let's just tell people so that more people will show up and she'll get some presents right but like she got any presents. hardly anybody showed up dev showed up dev showed up he which filmed a fucking lot he filmed every yes, single part of that he loved it i wonder if that's going to prove to be important that he recorded the whole thing mm-hmm. probably not probably not yeah he was enjoying it dev was there steve was there steve amy was there, was there. amy was there Johnny and um, Jenny. Jenny were there. Carla was there. Uh, Maria was there, but not Gary. Maria didn't bring a date to this wedding. No, she didn't bring her boyfriend to this wedding. Dev is there, but his kids are not there. No, and Ash is in counseling. That's why she's not there. But is Mary there? No. No, because Mary would be just like. Um, Amy and pissed off about the flowers if she was there. <laughs> That's right. Um, Billy was there. Yes. Has Billy managed to actually managed to officiate an entire wedding yet? I, I believe so. Did you see, because uh, he's been in the show for five years now, did you see that brilliant, the ABCs of Billy? Yeah, I was disappointed that O was an opioid addiction. <laughs> I was, going to, I was going to respond with that, but I felt that was in poor taste. In poor taste. <laughs> yes. Oh well. Moving I'm on. really surprised that he survived that fall from the cliff. By well, the way. now that you've seen it. Now that I've seen it, I'm like, how in the hell is he still walking? Right. He was. There's no way. There's no way. It's like um, it's like when War Machine fell in uh, in Avengers: Civil War, mm. and now he's. <laughs> Mm. It was like uh, Hans Gruber in Die Hard. Right, yeah. Only Hans Gruber, he dead. Oh, he dead. He he very dead. Although My favorite Christmas movie of all time. That cliff wasn't the Nagatomi Plaza, right enough. That's true. Our next storyline tonight is Derek's deal. Just on Friday, Maria wants to talk to Gary about something non-specific, and Gary sees Derek loitering around and tells Maria he's too busy, but they arrange to meet for lunch, and Maria looks a little put out by this. Yes. At the funeral, th- the funeral thing. As a furniture thing, Gary thinks Derek is wreaking a booze and it's only nine in the morning. Despite this, Derek is making headway with his missus and has promised the family a trip to Orlando. He asks Gary for a loan of 3000 but instead Gary gives Derek the change from his pocket and agrees to write off the rest of his debt. Now fuck off, he says to Derek. And Derek's like, oh. Hmm. What the hell? Maria and Fizz meet in the Rovers. Maria is weird and asks what she and Gary talk about at the furniture thing. She's testing the water to make sure that he still fancies her in that, now that he's got his hold off of her. Fizz advises talking to Gary about it. And then Nick comes into the bistro to see Sarah. He's has some exciting news, but he clams up when Gary comes in with Maria, something that Gary seems to notice. Mm-hmm. And later there's a reading, Gary's more interested in watching Nick and Sarah talk than uh, have any conversation with Maria. Whatever the plan is, Sarah thinks it's great. Maria asks Gary about Sarah, accusing him of still having feelings for her, and she storms off. And Gary rushes to right, chase right. after her, and Sarah says to Gary on his way out, it looks like we're going to have to get her hair cut somewhere else. That was funny. <laughs> in the barbers, Maria moans to Bethany about Gary. Bethany insists that Gary is still into her, and she would be happy that she's been shared in gifts, like your expensive bag and stuff. That Maria oh, yeah, reminds everyone that. is a fake, even though it's not. No, it's not. She should be happy, says Bethany. And then later, privately, Maria goes into her bag and produces a pregnancy test. Uh-oh! That's what I've got down here. Rut row. <laughs> <laughs> so Gary is the new Steve then. 
he has when it comes to the magic spooge. This will be uh, kid number three with woman number three. <laughs> Maria is about to go off and pee on a stick when Gary comes in with a mahoosive bunch of flowers, insisting that he isn't into Sarah after all, and was just interested in what Sarah and Nick were talking about. He puts it down to his paranoia. She goes along with it, and they're all good in the hood again, and they arrange to go off for a country pub dinner. Oh. In the Knickerpacking Factory slash community centre, Derek is offered to sell up to Nick and Sarah. Fixtures, fittings, the lot. But Derek needs the money quick. Otherwise, he's going to have to sell to someone else. Nick's like, I'll arrange the loan tomorrow. We're all good. And Derek says, let's not tell Gary about this. And Nick is very suspicious. Is he? But he's agreeable. Yes, he's agreeable because he wants that factory back. Right. So Derek... We said this way back at the start. Yes, we did. We did. We said this would happen. What's to stop Derek Derek. from doing exactly as he's doing right now? Nothing. Which is just pulling the rug from under Gary's feet. Yeah. Yeah. I guess we're going to see the measure of how much of a villain Gary is when he catches wind of this. Yeah. Because catch wind of it, he surely is. Oh, absolutely. Do you think he's going to kill Derek? Somebody's going to die at Christmas time. Is that a spoiler? No. You just think someone's going to die at Christmas? Yes. Well, there's usually some kind of high drama at Christmas. Maybe yeah. it's... Well, there's only a couple of weeks left. Maybe yeah. maybe that's where we're headed. Some kind of showdown between Derek... Oh, Derek and Gary. Really, that's what Christmas is going to offer <laughs> up? A showdown between Derek and Gary? The guy's name's Derek. Yeah. It might as well be Keith. Uh I think Derek's worse. He reminds me of a Derek I went to school with. It reminds me of a couple of Derek's. <laughs> no tall offense. And, <laughs> tall and gangly and goofy looking. Right. No offense, Derek. <laughs> so, I don't know. I kind of like the factory back in Nick's hands. Nick and Sarah. I like the fact that Nick and Sarah are working together. Yep. And that Nick is actually working Together with her and and with the knicker people and you knicker packing people, yeah. I you think know, it has being a, part of the team, I like that. I think he has an improved respect for Sarah after her idea of yes, cutting out the middleman and direct to customer. So yes, okay. <laughs> You're keeping me up with this whole Gary thing. Our penultimate storyline tonight: Rita no mates. Oh, yeah, that, that's, this made me sad. This is stupid. It's sad. Rita's worried about cultural appropriation by taking a tartan, star, tartan scarf to Edinburgh to see Emily. Rita's ready for her oh, visit, dear. but is suddenly worried by Mrs. McElroy's cat. Who the fuck is Mrs. McElroy and why do you care about her fucking cat? asks Jenny. So Rita goes off to try and find someone else to look after this bloody cat before she goes to see Emily. Right, so the, what is what it is is that Rita has forgotten that she had promised Mrs. McElroy that she would take care of her cat. Right. And then Jenny remembers who Mrs. McElroy is. Or pretends to remember just to kill the conversation. And the cat. <laughs> Ken can't help. Shona tells Rita that Roy's too busy with his brother and Shona's got too much on her plate as well, but we don't really go into what Shona's got to do. Well, she's got kids. Rita goes on the phone to Sally and Sal points her in the direction of Amy and in the bistro as Rita is asking Michelle if Michelle can look after the stupid cat. Ryan offers to look after the stupid cat. And that was lovely. Good job, Ryan. So cute. In the rovers, the trip is off. 
yeah, after all of that. <laughs> Emily has, has got bronchitis. And Rita doesn't want to be stuck inside with her elderly, infirm friend. After all of that, she's not going anyway. Right. What? Just when she found someone to look after the cat, she said. Right. Here she was looking to help an old lady with no friends, and now she realises that she's the one with no friends. And it's an old lady. Rita drops into the cabin to the surprise of Brian and Cathy. Not that they're doing anything that they shouldn't be doing. No, not yet. She's ready to start work, but the thing is, says Brian, they've already brought Galen to help with the, the Christmas rush. And Cathy suggests splitting the ships. Is there much of a rush? In the cabin. In the cabin for Christmas. So. Who's buying newspapers and CDs from the 1990s <laughs> for their <laughs> friends and family at Christmas? Copies of Rocky Three on VHS. Who's, who's battering down the door well, of the cabin the, the, to get Billy Holiday CD up looks nice, but that's about it. There's a couple of CDs. Wasn't there a shady? There's always a shady one. Yeah. Hmm. <clears throat> so, she's... Cathy suggests splitting the shifts with Gail, but Gail isn't interested. Split shifts means less money, and she's got grandkids to buy presents for. Yeah. What do you have, Rita? Rita extends her middle digits, says, Fuck y'all, I'll be back. And off she goes. So. Poor Rita. What is going on here? Rita is. It's a little bit of a filler storyline, but it was like, oh, Jesus, it's what, just what really a sad. Downer, right? It's really depressing. Give us, give us something happy, you weirdos. Uh, I don't know. I don't get it. I, I kind of hope this is a one-off and we don't go back to it. But Well, this isn't the first time that we've had a storyline where Rita realizes that she's going to die alone. Right. Nobody really likes her. Well, everybody seems to love her, but she's going to die alone because she's not married and she doesn't have kids and everything else. And yet, when the one person who's living with her is afraid to leave her, you know, and doesn't want her to be sad. He basic, she basically shoves Paul out the door into Billy's arms mm. and says, no, I'll be fine, you fanny. Right. I don't care. Spike she will come back care. and take good care of her, I think. <laughs> or, oh, or, Car- oh. or Carol. Oh, if oh if Carol. She or could Carol. use a roof. She could use a roof. Or Wayne. We assume. Wayne might come back. Wouldn't it be nice if Wayne came back? For Christmas. I would like it if Wayne came back to comfort poor Roy in his hour of, of devastation when his brother dies. His wannabe son comes back. Yeah. <laughs> and then maybe Wayne and Nina could date. No. 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 <laughs> so our final storyline tonight is Paul, Paul turning a new page and a new chapter. On Wednesday, Paul's getting ready to go back to work. Billy has made him a packed lunch and broaches the subject of Christmas decorations. Sean is very keen, apparently. But yes. Christmas decorations are triggering for Paul, so they agree not to he create any He wants to up. do a Norwegian theme, so he's all into the Hugo. Later, Sean gets up and instantly starts talking about Christmas decorations to Billy. Billy quickly concocts a story about wanting to celebrate on the down low, but eventually has to admit that Paul doesn't like decorations, and Sean is pissed off by this and flinches off. Literally flounces off. Later, at the Knickerbocking Factory slash Community Centre, Sean is complaining loudly about not being allowed to celebrate Christmas. Paul overhears and then gets a call from the police who want to speak with him about the Polaroids that they got. He sheepishly asks Nick for tomorrow off, and Nick is a victim about it. Right, because Nick doesn't know. 
Paul's in the community garden when David happens by. Paul quizzes him about being ashamed about Josh, and David knows that Paul has gone through something similar and encourages him to talk to someone. The knicker-packing people are complaining about Paul disappearing. That's not entirely easy to say. (laughs) (laughs) Nick is not amused. Paul tells them about his police interview and about Kel's abuse, and this shuts Sean up. It shuts them all all up, and now they're all lovely to him. Yeah, they're all very understanding and offer to go with him uh, to the police, (laughs) which which paints a very strange picture of all the knicker-packing people (laughs) just sitting out in the waiting room in the police office. Well, Izzy offers to go with him because apparently she's she's done this before. Oh, she's done time, yeah. Yes. she knows the ropes down there at the police station. I think she might have assaulted a police officer who done her for recreational marijuana usage. But she got over that. How, how did Izzy assault anyone? From Now, I'm not sure about this, but I think she might have run over him with her wheelchair. Maybe. <laughs> Maybe that didn't happen. I can't quite remember. I remember, remember watching it at the time, but I'm a little foggy. That's awful. Later in the rovers, the knicker-packing people are worried about Paul when Gemma... Oh, Paul's run off. Yes. <laughs> so later in the rovers, the knicker-packing people are worried about Paul when Gemma and Bernie and Billy come in, and now everyone is worried about Paul. All the knicker-packing people, Gemma, Billy and Bernie, have moved to Roy's roles just as Paul comes in. He's sorry for running off. He needed to sort his head out. He's made a decision that he has to show them. And Paul leads them home, where he and Summer have decorated the place. It's lovely. He says that he needs to forget what happened with Kale and get his life back. It's a good thing when everybody was running around trying to find Paul that nobody thought to look in Billy uh, and Paul's house. Uh, uh, yes, where he's currently living. Right? Yeah. It's a good thing nobody nobody thought to look there. And nobody thought to ask Summer. But they're all in the Rovers. Well, they've they supposedly all, all been running around. And they all around. came back to Roy's Rolls because they couldn't go back to the Rovers because no. they've been in the Rovers. Right. They have to go somewhere else. Yes. And at first, Gemma and, and Bernie are all pissed off that they're talking about our Paul and until Izzy said, well, he's run off and mm-hmm. I can't get him. He's not answering his texts. Apparently, his phone was off the charger. That's why. <laughs> Obviously. Paul has really turned a corner, it seems. And on Friday, Billy's come up with a random excuse for not being with Paul at the police station later today. They're at the hospital to see the quads for luck, and Bernie and Ches set up to accompany Paul to the cop shop. And the cops are quizzing Paul about the photos. Paul remembers it being taken. It was one of Kel's souvenirs from Christmas in the, uh, 2004. Paul explains that back then he thought Kel was amazing, but he realises now he's being groomed, and later that day he was plied with booze. He's on his bed, and his undies in the picture, but that was just how Paul slept. That wasn't uh, anything that Kel had encouraged. Paul asks about the other lads, but the police haven't had any luck tracking them down, and they want to go through all convenient? the other photos. Yeah. Mm. Meanwhile, outside, Ches is shooting the breeze with a guy from Beavers and Butthead. The Welsh government plant a tree in Wales and one in Uganda for every baby that's born, but they won't get their trees because... <coughs> because they weren't born there, or because they're not Welsh. You have to be living in Wales to get the tree. The Beavers and Butthead That is guy, a really lovely thing, though. Mm-hmm. And it's real. He pretends that he wants a drink, is it? Yeah. Is it? Yeah. Is it? Yes. He wants a drink and he leaves Ches and Bernie to it. Bernie feels like everyone is judging her and she swears that she cares for her kids. 
and Roy's roles, Paul has gone through all the picks with the police, but none of them are incriminating. He says, Kellett is going to get away with this, the cocky swine. And Paul goes off for a walk and Billy goes with, leaving Ches and Bernie to chew over the remains of the conversation. Bernie wants to do something to make sure Kel pays. She goes off and Chesney, mistakenly, he follows. Toddles behind. Bernie's idea of justice is to go to the shopping centre, find a poster with a security team picture and write pedo on it in red pen and put arrows from Kel's face to the word pedo. Right. Ches isn't impressed. Along comes Kel with his co-worker and Bernie publicly announces Kel as a kiddie fiddler. What well? Kel calls Bernie delusional and twisted when uh, Bernie continues her very loud accusations, but none of the crowd that have congregated seem to believe it, so Bernie attacks Kel. And then I kind of lost track of what was happening there. He seems to fall and smash his nose on the floor. Yes. And bloodies it. Yes. And Bernie, and for some reason, Ches get frog marched away. What did Ches get frog marched away for? Because he's with Bernie, I guess, and. Because he rushes to Birdie to try to get Birdie away when Kel gets knocked over. Oh. So people thought that he was helping her knock him over. I missed that bit. Bernie breaks free and runs, leaving Chase to carry the can for them both. She wants to break free. She wants to break free. And then she broke free and left poor Chesney. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I'm done. <laughs> Bernie's back home. Chess has been detained. I mean, delayed. She explains to Jim and Paul about what happened at the shopping centre. Bernie says it wasn't her fault uh, that Chess didn't put up a fight. Paul grabs his mum and drags her to the cop shop, but Je- Chess decides to come home at this point. He got yes. off with a warning. And Paul is very agitated by this and says that Bernie's probably scuppered the whole case. Correct. Later, it's Bernie and Gemma alone in the house. Uh-oh. Bernie calls herself the worst mum in the world for about the 50th time in the last couple of weeks. And then to everyone's surprise, do you know what? If you think you're the worst mum in the world, stop doing worst mum in the world shit. Well, she thinks she's helping. This is the problem. This is the problem. Mums think that they're helping and they do things that just make things worse. So you are aware of this. Okay. I'm not talking about myself. Oh, sure. I'm not your mum. No, but you are a mum. Yes. What are you implying? I'm implying then, to everyone's surprise, Kel appears through the back door. Yeah, the back door that Bertie didn't use last week to get away from Kel came in the front door. Kel knows about the back door. Huh. Oh. But not like that. But like that. But absolutely like that. Thanks to Bernie, he got the sack, and the cops have found nothing. Good. He he wants us to come to the end. Good that he got the sack, not good that the cops didn't find anything. Gemma threatens him with trespass and throws him out, and now Bernie and Gemma are very worried that Kel was telling the truth about there not being any evidence. So at the police station, the cops confirm that they found nothing incriminating and Paul's account isn't enough. They need more evidence. They also advise Bernie to stop taking the law into her own hands, or she risks getting herself arrested. So Bernie goes to see Paul and she apologises for messing up and explains about Kel making a complaint against her and Paul's glad that she went for him when she had the chance and at least it's all out in the open now. But the thought of Kel hurting someone else is what kills Paul the most. Yeah. And Bernie, she seems to suck a thoughtful tooth at this. Yes, she does. Because later, Bernie's alone in the house and she's on the laptop. Never leave that woman alone with a laptop. No. And a few things strike me as being odd about what she's looking at. First, Kel's a DJ coach. Second, he has a website. Third, the picture for the website is him in his yellow car parked outside Chesney's house. So what exactly does a DJ coach 
too? Or is he a DJ and a coach? No, he coaches people. He coaches on DJing. people on how to be a DJ. Correct. Is that a thing? <laughs> I'm not sure it is. I'm not sure it is. I, and I'm not sure it necessitates having a website. And I'm not sure that that website needs to have a picture of him outside with his car. Surely a picture of you DJing would be more appropriate. Or right. coaching someone who to DJ. Yeah. Here's how you DJ. Take that MP3 and stick it on a memory stick. I'm sure there's more to it than that. Well, yeah, because there's the scratching of the records and stuff. Well, they don't typically have He's records spinning, anymore. Spinning the... Well, Riot always has them. <clears throat> yeah. The DJ person that I saw in... Where was it? I don't know. Orlando. Oh, She yeah. was a celebrity DJ, apparently. She'd been... Oh, how oh, nice for you. She was awful. It was too early in the morning for all that. But all she had was a little, a little like box a like this, and yeah. just she would just hit certain things Buttons. and twist things and yeah. pretend that she was busy when she probably wasn't. <laughs> so anyway, you like Lin Manuel Miranda though. He was great. Yes, I still follow him on the Twitter because his Twitter's amazing. It's great. That's great. It's uplifting. Yes, it really is. Everyone should follow Lin Manuel Miranda. So Bernie is on this laptop then, and also us. <laughs> And she's beginning to compose a message to Kel, pretending to be a 14-year-old boy in search of some DJ lessons. She's catfishing Kel. Right. And she's very specifically saying she's a 14-year-old boy. I'm a 14-year-old boy. Hi, I'm 14 years old and I want to learn how to DJ. Can you help me, Mr. Kel? Can you help me, DJ? It's so obviously catfishing. Right. And that's how we finish this week's episodes. Yeah. People come in and say, what you doing, Mum? Like, oh, Nothing. Catfish and kale. Okay. <laughs> oh, no, I'm, I'm, I'm sending a wee text to a friend. Mm-hmm. And nobody's suspicious because of the fact that she has no friends. <laughs> all her friends are in that room, and not all of them are her friends. No. But she did, uh, Chase did ask where Joseph was. He was in bed. Yes. He'd had his bath. He was in his bed. In the middle of the day. So, how successful do you think... Bernie's catfishing is going to be not at all <laughs> not one little bit not one little bit I think it's I like that Kel lost his job though that in the end you know we can't have no pedo around here right or even an accused pedo mm-hmm. around here and he also he is he has been charged with robbery right so we can't have somebody who's been charged with robbery that's probably what you got doing security job, right, right. Yeah. Not the the pedo stuff. Yeah, it was it was funny, but not really. When when Birdie was yelling at that woman that she'd better get her son out of there because this man's a pedo. Right. Eh, she was feisty. I'm, I'm, she's grown on me. Mm, sure. Yeah, like you said, she's doing what she thinks is the right thing. Yeah. Just that it's shite. Yeah. All right. Well, let's see what happens next week. What was your moment of the week? Oh, you're moving this along. <laughs> um, uh, was it was a wedding? It was Michelle reading that, that text, I think. I think we have to give it to Michelle. Just this once. I can't think of anything that was more standout-ish than that. Yeah. I mean, there were, th- there were things that I liked better. But it was just... 
because I was wondering how she was going to do this, how she was going to, you know, embarrass him and everything. Right. And when you realize that she's that she's actually reading the texts, like when she says, and I'm now carrying your child mm-hmm. and everybody looks around like, wait what? a second. Mm-hmm. And then you see the look on Robert's face when he realizes what she's reading. I think he realizes just a few sentences before that what's yeah. going on. But the, the he begs making stop, love just, and the touching and... Yeah. 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 Michelle's delivery of her vows to Robert is uh, our moment of the week. Moment of the week. Our boring moment of the week. Chesney going on about plant trees in Uganda. See, I think that's a lovely thing. It's quite boring though. Is it, is it more boring? Do we always give boring moment of the week to Chesney? Is it more boring than, than Richard and Roy playing Battleship? Oh, that was adorable. It was adorable, but it wasn't exactly scintillating. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> or or talking about bats with Nita, although that was important. That was also adorable. You know what I didn't like, and I always felt was kind of boring, was when Emma and Amy are in Roy's roles, and uh, they're having some sort of conversation, and Aggie comes over and says, "You know, are you not are you not going to eat?" And they both say that they're not hungry. And she oh, says, yeah, don't yeah. worry, I'll get you a doggy bag. That's my boring moment of the week. Because it was horrible and boring. I think the whole Rita stuff was boring. The, this whole this whole conceit of Aggie not being able to cook is just... It's a joke that's gone too far. It was never funny to begin it with. It was never funny to begin with, and now it's just boring. Okay, let's go with that then. Aggie not being able to cook is our... Boring moment of the week. A boring moment of the week. Do you want to wrap this one up? Yes, please. Then, if you want us to look after an elderly neighbour's cat while you go off to wear tartan in Edinburgh, here's how you can get in touch with us to ask. On email with the talk of the street at gmail.com, which is how you can get a hold of us on Skype to leave a voicemail, and on PayPal if you want to drop a couple of nuggets into a virtual tip jar. We're at Corey Podcast on Twitter, Facebook and Instagram, and apparently people are feeling sorry that I no longer mention our blog, which is the talk of the street podcast.wordpress.com. Thanks for making we it to the end. We haven't written anything in it in months. Not for months. Thanks for making it to the end of another episode. We will be back next week with more. Our talk of the street. Talk of the street. Cheerio. Bye bye. This episode was brought to you by Donahue Solicitors, an award-winning firm of expert compensation claims lawyers. Donahue Solicitors represents claimants throughout England and Wales in their civil actions against the police, data breach, personal injury, and professional negligence claims. To start your compensation claim, go to www.donahue-solicitors.co.uk or call 08000-124-246 today.